Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, isn't this special? This is so cool to be back in church together, celebrating together. Let's just give the Lord a, a hand. We just praise you, God. You're so good, Lord. You're so good. So well done on you for getting out of your pyjamas to come to church today. <laughs> I'm so glad that you didn't come in your pyjamas. Um, but gee, what a crazy last couple of months, isn't it? Um, being attending together online. But here we are back together. And uh, just I'm just so excited to have you uh, with us here in the room today. Hey, um, th- we're just going to get straight into uh, the Word this morning. It is Pentecost Sunday, and the first thing I just wanted to do today was to actually align our value system with heavens today. Yeah. And, and uh, we're going to do this. We're going to come into agreement around our offering declaration shortly, but I was just thinking about Jabez last night. Has anyone heard of Jabez? He's an Old Testament character somewhere in uh, Chronicles, and his name is kind of this nugget, this little highlight in the middle of all this genealogy of like Harry, you know, had Sally, and Sally had Mary, and Mary had Henry, and, and then there's Jabez, and Jabez stands out of the crowd and, and it says uh, that, that he asked God to bless him. Now, Jabez's name uh, was given to him by his mother, and it means painful birth. Like, man, imagine, hi, what's your name? My name's painful birth. How are you? <laughs> it's awkward. You know, so this guy carried this kind of stigma, this label over his life, and he shone out in the middle of all these names. And, and it says this, it says that Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge in my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from all evil and I, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. And I just, I love this because, you know, despite his circumstances, despite his label, despite the pain of his birth entering into the world, he cried out to God and God said, hey, you, you know that I'm a good God. And because you can see that I'm good, because you have aligned your expectations with what I can do, I'm going to give something to you. I'm going to actually answer your prayers and I am going to bless you. And I hope that that's a word for someone here today because, you know, agreeing with God is one of the most powerful things that we can do in life. Agreeing with what God says about you. So I'm going to, let's agree together as a church that we are the, under the influence of heaven's economy at this time. Specifically, you know, we could look at the landscape of our nation's economy and fear, but I want to tell you that God has got good things ahead for you, for your finances, for your family, for your business, for your future. God is good over your future. And I want to encourage you to align your vision with His provision, you know, for you today. So we're going to just do this declaration together. I'm not sure whether we have our PowerPoint sorted this morning for this, but I just want to invite you to stand right now. I'm going to declare this out, and you can, if you memorize this, you know, more power to you, um, or you can just agree with this. Maybe put your hand on your heart, just do whatever you want to, but I want to encourage 
encourage you to dare to believe today, to ask the Holy Spirit to just align your vision with His. So it says this, as we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven opened, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created, dreams, visions, and angelic visitations, anointings, gifts, and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation saved and set free. Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower favor, blessings, and increase upon me so I have more than enough to co-labor with heaven and see Jesus get his full reward. Woo, come on, let's celebrate his goodness at this time. All right, hey, you can, you can take a seat. Um, you know, uh, today is Pentecost Sunday, and uh, last week, I don't know if anyone uh, watched the message, uh, but I shared this prophetic word, two prophetic words about this geyser, about, uh, you know, Janet Chambers gave, gave a, a prophetic word 17 years ago. Uh, about us seeing God's geyser of, uh, of, of provision, of His joy, uh, you know, of revival unlocked into our region. And then last year we were given another, actually this year, sorry, we were given a word that just had so much symmetry with that word. So I wanted to share that last, last week. And then this week, but we're just kind of carrying this prophetic theme along here. This week I want to share with you a dream that I had about four years ago um, and just to really honor that God actually is speaking to us, you know, and he speaks in so many languages, and one of the languages is dreams. And so I had this dream, uh, and in this dream, I'm, I'm standing out on the runway at Christchurch Airport, and I'm just in the middle there, and I'm watching this massive wave come down into land on the runway. And I was terrified. It was a wave of water. It was about 20 meters high. And in my dream, I was just, oh my gosh, I'm terrified. And then in behind that wave, I saw another wave. And then in behind that wave, I saw another wave. There were three waves. And as this wave came and broke over me, I thought I was going to die. But then it just showered me with this really amazing presence of, you know, like just, a, it was just good. It was just really good. And I didn't die. And that was amazing too. I was really pleased about that. And, and, and then it, this dream was so um, vivid. It was so kind of like, wow, that was, you know, out of the box. I don't have a dream like that every night. I spent the whole day just thinking about God, what are you saying? You're like, well, what was, what is that? Something going to land, something going to take off? Like, what are you going to do? It was so impressionable in my heart. And so I just prayed into that all day. And then that night, I had another dream. And in this dream, I'm actually talking with God in this dream. I didn't see him, but I just remember having this conversation with God. And I said to him, God, what are these three waves about? And he said to me, I am sending a wave of finances. <laughs> I'm sending a wave of souls and I'm sending a wave of glory into this region. 
And I've just never forgot that. And Deb and I would talk about that often. And then one night, we're sitting on the couch about a year or so later, and we're just talking about this dream again. And we're just remembering this dream and going, God, what, this, what did this mean? And then I picked up my phone. I turned it on. And the first thing I saw when I picked up my phone was this image. Was, and, and that photograph is taken at Christchurch Airport. Three waves over Christchurch Airport. And it just, I got goosebumps on goosebumps. Like, I was like, God, what is this, you know? And so, you know, this is, I believe that this dream is, is something for us to steward. It's certainly something for me to steward and remember and think God has got an incredible outpouring for this region. And we can do our best sometimes, and we can try and be the smartest. We can try and be the most creative. We can, you know, do everything we can to do what we do to get by in life or to build the church or to be a good person. But, you know, ultimately, we are dependent 100% on Him pouring out His Spirit, on Him being the, you know, we've got to create a gap that He can fill. You know, like we need His Spirit. We are nothing without His breath. And he wants to breathe his breath again on your life, on your family, on your marriage, on your dreams. Uh, you know, he is, he is constantly calling us into this place of spirit to spirit, of heart to heart, of, you know, we are, he is a spirit being and we are from heaven and he speaks in the language of the spirit. And so today I want to celebrate that. I remember as a 13-year-old, I went to this Easter camp. I had absolutely no reference that God wanted to be in my life, to live in my heart, to have that kind of connection. I thought I came from monkeys, you know, from goo to you. And I thought that, you know, that was, I'd read everything about evolution. Even as a 13-year-old, I was really, you know, just interested in creation and how I got to be there. And I just, I had no idea that God, I'd heard about Jesus, you know. But then I was at this camp, I was standing there. I didn't pray a prayer. I was just standing there watching like something happen and worship with someone else. And then all of a sudden, my God said, You're, you know, I love you. <laughs> no, you. No one could convince me that he didn't spoke, speak to me that day. You know, he just broke into my world and said, you know, I'm your father and I love you. And I'm with you. And that changed my life forever. I went on and had some pretty kind of turbulent teenage years, but I just knew that he was with me. And that spirit-to-spirit connection just shifted me. It just shifted me from thinking that I was an accident to actually I could live in a purpose. And I just want to remind you today that his spirit is so for you, that you are not an accident, that you're not, you know, you are just, you're created for him and to worship him to be led by Him, to let His breath breathe on your life and let Him outroll the dreams and the vision that He has for your life. You know, uh, Jesus' last words to His disciples before He ascended to the Father, you know, are in Acts 1.8. And many of you know this incredible scripture. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and then to the ends of the earth. You know, like God just had this big vision for these 
12 guys, you know, uh, to, to encounter something more than what he'd ever given to them personally. And, and they'd been with him, you know, for three years. I'd watched them. They'd been discipled with him. And you'd think, man, that that would be enough for them. You know, that they'd be able to go, well, I could see how Jesus did it. I could replicate that, you know, and, and just go out, you know, and, and do what Jesus did. But Jesus said, hey, you guys aren't ready. You're not, you're not ready yet. You've had an encounter with me. You know, you've followed me, but you're just not ready. And they were told to go and wait for power <laughs> when the Holy Spirit comes on them and that they would only be equipped and ready once they had this encounter with power. And they, so they went and they spent 10 days waiting in the upper room. They spent 10 days just thinking, God, what is this going to look like? You know, they had no reference point, but they went and waited in a space for the Holy Spirit. And I just want to credit uh, Johnny and Elizabeth Enlow. Um, I read this from the Elijah List uh, this week, and I want to credit some of the thoughts in this message to them today. You know, it's been noted that Jesus's very last words on earth were specifically prioritizing the need for power. You know, it was just that's what you need. And he motivated their, you know, their need for, for the supernatural power by saying, go and wait until you receive power. Go and wait. And, and that word power um, in Greek is dunamis, and that's where we get the word dynamite. It wasn't just like a kind of power. It was like a, you know, and that's why there's the tongues of fire that came at Pentecost as a demonstration of how incredibly powerful the Spirit of God is when He moves on our lives. And, you know, Jesus, you know, as, as He worked, uh, walked on this earth, and as He demonstrated, He, he modeled power, didn't he? He modeled power over demons. He, he modeled power over sickness. He modeled power over storms. He modeled power, get this, over the lack of wine. Not saying that you maybe need to go home and, and take a hold of that, but he, over food, you know, the pantry was bare. Someone bought the, the lunch and Jesus multiplied it. He, he, that was his power. He, this, for if you're in business today, he, he modeled power over taxes. Come on. He was, he was like every dimension, the power of heaven is available to you for every challenging situation, you know, that Jesus faced. He didn't just say, oh, I'll, you know, I'll tell you a story that you can go and try and figure out later. And, you know, what's this parable mean? He was just like, power. <laughs> Holy Spirit, power, and Jesus just always seemed to have it at the right time. In 1 Corinthians 4.20, it says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. And, and Jesus wouldn't, you know, go and tell his disciples to wait for 10 days in an upper room if he believed in a powerless Christianity. He's just like, you got to go and wait until you get it. You're going to go and position yourself until you get it. Because, you know, people didn't just follow Jesus because he was loving. 
You know, I mean, that was a big, you know, he, people gathered around him, but that's not why they followed him. That's not the only reason. He was carrying this love validating power. You know, because love looks like something, Jesus was able to back it up with his power. You know, atheists can be loving. Buddhists can be loving. The, the political party that you oppose can be loving, believe it or not, you know. But what separated the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, from anything else, from any other, was this constant demonstration of his supernatural power. You know, because the Holy Spirit is love, and his love looks like something. See, power is the answer to the issue. Power is the demonstration of the love of God. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 14. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Who's been empowered by a prophetic word? You know, that's powerful. That's powerful. I have words spoken over my life that have been so powerful. You know, and I want to I want to honor the gift of healing because as a church, we have seen some incredible healings. And I remember I was probably eight to ten years ago, and I've got Dylan's approval to share this. The guy who was a part of our well, I'm gonna say is a part of our church, and he's watching this this morning. So hello, Dylan. And um, he was a big part of our youth scene. And as an infant, Dylan um, had an eye removed. And so he, he actually has a glass eye. And he had it removed because of cancer. And when he was at youth, he used to hide his eye under a lot of hair, you know, like <laughs> emo. And, and, uh, <laughs> and one Friday night, he came to youth. He was really... He was really unwell, and he had had migraines all week, and he had, and he also had really blurred vision in his eye. And a, a week, a day or so earlier, he had um, had to go to the doctors because of the intense pain in, the, in his vision, and they'd run some tests, and they were unfavorable tests. They were pointing towards cancer being there again, and it was amazing that night at youth. You know, all night someone was praying for Dylan. <laughs> I remember being up here and Dylan was down the back and someone was praying for Dylan. We prayed for Dylan during worship. You know, there was just someone praying for Dylan. And then I remember at about 9.30, there was, this lot, there was a lot of noise. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? And someone, you know, put another hole in the wall out in the foyer because I'm sure that happened every week when I was a youth pastor. <laughs> Sorry, Peter. Peter Frew had to do a lot of, uh, yeah, anyway, a lot of fixing. And, and there was all this noise, and, and, whoop, and it was like happy noise, though. And then someone came running in and said that Dylan was, could see, and his headache had gone, and he was feeling, actually, probably Dylan came up, I think it was, actually, and just was so excited. And I think, actually, was it you and Connor? It was like, I think it was, and Joe, Joe Clifford, yeah, were just praying for Dylan. They were just standing in the gap for someone who needed a demonstration of God's power. And they just stayed there. Just all night, someone 
was praying for Dylan. And I remember the tests came back a day or so later that he had been cleared uh, from cancer. And it was just awesome. You know, I just want to remind you, church, that being filled with the Holy Spirit is a recognizable condition. <laughs> it really is. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I've been meditating on the scripture recently that says, you know, God's enthroned in the heavens and he laughs. He laughs at his enemies. And maybe today it's a day for you to laugh. And you're like, I don't feel like laughing, you know. You probably didn't feel like going to work last week either, you know. Just because you don't feel like doing something, it doesn't mean to say that you shouldn't actually do it. And so sometimes we need to actually practice laughing, I think. And it's a way to actually align ourselves with God's joy. Because the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. I want to call you into alignment with His power today. Let me just speak to you and remind you of some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's the gift of prophecy. How powerful is that? the gift of serving, the gift of teaching, the gift of exhortation, the gift of giving, the gift of leadership, the gift of mercy, the gift of the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the gift of faith, gifts of healing, gift of miracles, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, the interpretation of tongues, helps, the gift of helps, the gift of administration, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and the teacher. These are powerful gifts. These are the expressions of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when I'm talking about the power of God, I'm not necessarily just talking about some kind of crazy display. I'm talking about you stepping into the fullness of your call and identity as a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says this, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, there's this posture, this is Old Testament, but there's this posture of waiting again before strength and empowerment was given. Those who wait on the Lord. You know, what does it mean to wait on God? And there's a great illustration here of a restaurant waiter and their relationship with the chef. You know, a waiter will wait attentively for orders. You know, they're just not distracted by anything else. Their focus is actually prioritized on the meal that they are going to be delivering. Their purpose is given to them by the chef. They, they make sure that they are positioned at the right place in the restaurant to receive the meal. You know, they don't stand by the door. They, they get to as close to the kitchen as possible. As close to that place where God, where the chef is preparing the meal. They, they're often right there actually helping put the finishing touches on the meal. They're attentive, they're noticing, they're aware, and they're responsive because they're waiting. And 
I believe that's an illustration of how it is for us to wait on God. To be in a place of expectancy because He has got nothing but goodness to deliver to our lives. He says that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You know, last year I was in a meeting. Deb and I had gone to a conference overseas and we were just going, God, we don't want to do church on our own. (laughs) We don't want to build church with our own techniques. We don't want to just, you know, follow all the best principles to see, you know, something happen. We're like, God, we want to seek you. We want to be led by you. We want to see everyone so alive in the promises of God. You know, it's our greatest burden in our lives for Deb and I to see a church stand and arise into into their place of destiny in God. That every single one of us would actually realize that we have a place in the heart of God. That we would be so, you know, surrendered to finding that place that we would be in a place where we would say, I will wait. And we went, we went to America last year to wait on God. We went desperate to wait on God. We were just like, we just want you, God. We don't want to do it ourselves. And I remember being in this meeting and I just was on my knees just, and I was, man, I was crying a lot. <laughs> I was just giving my heart to God again. I was just like, I don't want a hard heart. I want a soft heart. I want an open heart. I want to have a heart that is just so, you know, just for God because He loves us. I don't want to look good on the outside and just be going through the motions on the inside. I just want to be radically surrendered to God. And I just surrendered my life. And at that time, I was just like, you know, in the middle of that, it's easy for me to say that now, but at that time, I was like, God, I want to want you. <laughs> Has anyone been like that before? I was just like, so much else I want. I've got all these goals and things like that, but actually, all of that is just stuff. I just want to want you. I want to just, I don't know how to want you. I'm just so distracted. <laughs> and But, you know, wanting to want God is the start of your greatest breakthrough. <laughs> It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one giving you that kind of idea. And I just, as we were just wanting to want God, God just softened my heart, wrecked my heart. I remember crying for the youth of New Zealand again and just getting so engaged with his heart for our church and this vision for our region. And I just want to invite you into that kind of radical surrender today. Because that's the kind of thing that the Holy Spirit wants to touch. The kind of person is a surrendered person as a surrendered life. I just wonder if the rest of the band could just just come up right now. You know, in life, you know, Christianity is the message of love. We believe that, don't we? (laughs) You know, we can only love because He first loved us. We're never going to love 
of the kind of love that God has unless we really know that He loves us. That He first loves us. And I want to just propose to you that, you know, everything that is missing in your life that you feel like is missing is actually found in the presence of love. And we started talking about power this morning. (laughs) But because his love looks like something, his love is so powerful. again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following